it was a quiet suburban evening in Pocatello, Idaho, when a 16-year-old girl named Cassie Jo Stoddard agreed to house-sit for her aunt and uncle. She invited two of her friends over to keep her company, but little did she know that this decision would ultimately lead to her brutal murder. What followed was a case that would shock the nation, as the true nature of her friends' intentions would be revealed in a series of chilling videos that detailed their plans to kill her. Chilling frills, unexplained mysteries, and creepy stories that actually occurred. Welcome to Freakier Than Fiction. I'm your host Chad, and each episode together we will dive into the world of the unknown. So, if that kind of thing interests you, and you haven't done this already, then hit that follow or subscribe button, and that way you won't miss the next freaky episode. As this podcast is intended for mature audiences, discretion is advised, especially for this episode, as some of the details in this one may shock some people. In this episode, we're taking a look at the terrifying case of Cassie Jo Stoddard. Cassie Jo Stoddard was a 16-year-old high school student who lived in Pocatello, Idaho. She was known for her outgoing and friendly personality and had a wide circle of friends who admired her kindness and compassion. She was also an excellent student who worked hard to maintain good grades and participated in extracurricular activities such as cheerleading. She also had a passion for theatre and was an active member of her school's drama club, where she was known for her talent as an actress. Her enthusiasm for life was infectious, and those who knew her often described her as a ray of sunshine who could brighten anyone's day. Cassie Jo was well liked by her peers, who respected her for her intelligence, sense of humor, and her kind heart. She had a boyfriend, Matt Beckham, who she was deeply in love with, and they had plans to attend the prom together in the coming months. On the evening of the 22nd of September 2006, Cassie Jo Stoddard arrived at her aunt and uncle's home in Bannock County, Idaho to look after their house while they went away for a weekend trip. Her boyfriend, Matthew, turned up at around 6pm to keep her company for a while. Later that same evening, two school classmates named Brian Draper and Tori Adamick, both 16, arrived at the house and together they all settled down to watch Kill Bill Volume 2. However, before the film ended, Brian and Tori announced that they were leaving to visit a local movie theatre instead. The four friends said their goodbyes and the two boys left. However, unbeknownst to Cassie or Matt, Brian and Tori had unlocked the back door on their way out. A short while later, Brian and Tori returned wearing dark outfits and masks. They crept back inside the house through the unlocked door, which led to the basement, where they began taunting the young couple. 
While Matt and Cassie watched TV, Brian and Tori began making loud noises in an attempt to coax their friend down to the basement. When that failed, they instead shut off the power. With the lights cutting out, Cassie began to feel uneasy, which was worsened by the fact that the family dog was constantly growling at the basement door. Matt called his mother and asked if he could remain at the house with Cassie for the night so that she felt safer. Matthew's mother declined this request but said that Cassie was more than welcome to stay at their house for the night and offered to drop her back at her aunt and uncle's house the next morning. Cassie turned this offer down as she felt responsible for the pets and did not want to leave them unattended. At approximately 10.30pm, Matt's mother arrived to pick him up and Cassie was left alone. After hearing Matt leave, Brian and Tori began to terrorise Cassie further. They turned the power off and on again in the hopes of luring her to the basement to fix the problem, but without success. Instead, she remained on the sofa, scared and in darkness, hoping to fall asleep and find everything back to normal the next day. Sadly, however, Cassie did not live to see the next morning. Eventually, the two boys grew bored of waiting and silently made their way upstairs armed with a selection of knives. They began slamming doors to terrify their victim even more. But when she did not react and approached their hiding place, they entered the living room and inflicted on her a vicious attack. Cassie was stabbed approximately 30 times and sustained wounds all over her body, including her chest, neck, back and abdomen, with 12 of these being considered fatal. This was no spur-of-the-moment murder. A video was obtained by the prosecution that clearly depicts both Brian Draper and Tori Adamick the day before the murder occurred discussing their plans to kill Cassie Jo Stoddard the very next day. They remorselessly name her in the video and say that it's unfortunate that she happens to be their friend. One of the boys can clearly be heard saying that he doesn't believe that there should be a law against killing people because if you restrict people from doing something they're going to want to do it. In the video, the boys say that Cassie is their first victim, indicating that they plan to do this again. The video then shifts to the next evening in the aftermath of Cassie Joe's murder. The boys can be heard enthusiastically confessing to the crime they just committed. Brian Draper can be heard saying that he stabbed Stoddard in the throat and that he saw her lifeless body on the floor. Dude, I just killed Cassie, says Draper. This video was presented as evidence in court. Although both men are serving life sentences in an Idaho prison, the case Miller v. Alabama ruled that mandatory life sentences without parole for minors is unconstitutional. As both Brian Draper and Tori Adamick were minors at the time, it is possible their case could be reviewed again at some time in the future. During interrogations, each boy blamed the other. Draper tried to say it was Adamick who ultimately stabbed Cassie, but eventually confessed it was him. 
both boys stated that they were motivated to commit this crime by the Scream movie. Both of them recorded themselves saying that they were going to be just like Scream, except in real life terms, before comparing themselves to famous serial killers. Adamick then referred to the Zodiac Killer and Ted Bundy as amateurs. At trial, the prosecution revealed that Draper had said that he was inspired by Eric Harris and Dylan Claybold, who committed the Columbine High School Massacre. Later, Adamick was said to have been inspired by the Scream Horror film franchise. There was all kinds of evidence found at the scene of the crime that really had no clear connection to the Scream film. A blue plastic garbage bag, a Calvin Klein dress shirt, a videotape and matches just to name a few. However, there was definitely enough evidence to verify that the boys had, in fact, in some way been motivated by the film. Most notably was the attire both Draper and Adamick chose to wear while they were committing the crime. They both wore black clothing and gloves, like the killer in Scream, and both boys donned white face masks as well. Although the face masks were not the same as the mask worn by the killer in Scream, a loose connection was clear. Secondly, although the knife used as the murder weapon was not an exact replica of the knife used in the film, it is a close match. The situation was also similar. In Scream, the killer would seek out houses that he knew were occupied by a teenage girl who was home alone, and this was exactly what happened in this scenario. While the Cassie Joe Stoddard case has certain thematic similarities to Scream, it is essential to recognise that the actions of Draper and Adamick were not influenced directly by the movie. Instead, the case serves as a reminder of the potential dangers lurking beneath seemingly ordinary circumstances and the tragic consequences that can arise when disturbed individuals enact their sinister plans. It is important to approach these cases with sensitivity, separating the real-world implications and the tragic loss of life from any fictional inspirations that it may have had. The focus should remain on honouring the memory of Cassie Jo Stoddard and understanding the impact her case had on her loved ones and the community. The prosecution maintained the teen's murder in an attempt to achieve fame in the same manner as the Columbine killers. The videos indicated that Draper and Adamick planned to commit multiple murders. A psychological evaluation also indicated the teens were of sound mind when they decided and executed the murder of their friend. Adamick later tried to appeal his fixed life sentence on the grounds the ruling was unconstitutional, but the courts upheld the decision, factoring that his murder for murder was based solely on his desire to achieve fame as a serial killer. In 2007, the courts convicted them of first-degree murder and conspiracy to commit murder, and the teens received a sentence of life without the possibility of parole. Their attorneys filed an appeal with the US Supreme Court citing that there was a lack of information concerning the way a minor's brain develops. In 2016, the US Supreme Court ruled it unconstitutional for a minor to receive a sentence of life without parole, no matter what crime they committed. However, in 2017, the Idaho Supreme Court ruled to uphold Adamick's fixed 30-year conviction, 
and both teams' sentences. Draper and Adamick are in the Idaho State Correctional Institution. The murder of Cassie Jo Stoddart had a profound impact on both the local community in Idaho as well as the wider US population. The crime shattered the sense of safety and security that had long been a defining characteristic of a quiet suburban town, leaving residents stunned and fearful. In the immediate aftermath of the murder, the community rallied together to support Cassie Joe's family and friends, holding vigils and memorials in her honour. The tragedy also prompted a larger conversation about the prevalence of teen violence and the need for more effective measures to prevent such incidents from happening again. In particular, the trial was also noted for the chilling videotapes that the perpetrators had created in the lead up to the murder, in which they detailed their plans to kill Cassie Joe and discussed their motives in chilling detail. The case also sparked a wider debate about the role of violent media in desensitising young people to acts of violence and promoting a culture of aggression. The fact that the perpetrators had been heavily influenced by violent video games and movies added fuel to the fire of this ongoing conversation. Ultimately, the murder of Cassie Jo Stoddard served as a wake-up call for communities across the country spurring a renewed effort to address the root cause of teen violence and to promote a culture of empathy and respect. The murder of Cassie Jo Stoddard was a tragedy that shook the community of Pocatello, Idaho and the wider US population. Her life was taken far too soon, leaving a void in the hearts of those who knew and loved her. While the perpetrators of this heinous crime have been brought to justice, their actions have left a permanent scar on the community and the families involved. Cassie's Joe family and friends will always carry the weight of her loss and the impact of this tragedy will continue to be felt for years to come. We must never forget the lessons that can be learned from this senseless act of violence and must work to prevent similar incidents from occurring in the future. We must also honour the memory of Cassie Joe Stoddard, a bright and talented young woman whose life was taken too soon by working to build a more compassionate and just society. As we remember Cassie Jo, let us take a moment to reflect on the fragility of life and the importance of cherishing every moment we have with those we love. May her memory live on as a reminder to the preciousness of life and the need to work together to create a better world for all. Thank you so much for listening to the Freakier Than Fiction podcast. If you got something out of today's episode and you haven't done this already, then hit that follow or subscribe button, and that way you won't miss the next freaky installment. And I'd love your feedback, as it will really let me know what you think about this episode and others that you may have already heard. So please take the time to leave a five-star review, and tell me what you'd like to hear in upcoming episodes. If you want to get in touch, you can find a Linktree account in the description of this episode, and that has all the links to my social media accounts, including Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. I also now have a Patreon page, so if you really want to get behind the podcast and support it, head over to that and check it out. Patreons 
that subscribe for $7 a month or get early access to the weekly podcast. And if you want to go that extra mile, $10 a month will give you early access to the podcast every week and also special bonus episodes. So if you want to support the podcast, please go check it out. So if I see you on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, TikTok, Patreon, or anywhere else, just know that I really appreciate all the support. And remember, take care out there, and be aware, for the night is alive with a darkness that hungers for your soul. The mysteries of the unknown are like a siren's call, tempting you to explore the depths of the macabre. But be warned, dear listeners, for those who delve too deep may find themselves lost forever in a world of madness and terror. So, as you step into the shadows, keep your eyes peeled and your mind open. For in this world of the inexplicable, there are no guarantees, except for one, that when you tune into the next episode of Freakier Than Fiction, you'll be diving headfirst into the unknown. See you in the next episode.